Thanks for checking out the Long and Short of It podcast. You can find us on all good podcast platforms. Please consider following or subscribing. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each of the games on the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name's Dan and I'm joined by... This is Lawrence. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Feels like it's been a while. But it hasn't been a while. Been, it's been a little bit of time. Yeah, I think last we last released an episode a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? Yeah. What was it? Was it Zelda? No, it was the um, it was the. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The the genre ones. rankings. Yes, correct. Quite. Um, how are you today? Yes, quite well. As per, don't know what time of the day or month or week it is, but no, I'm good. Are you well? Yes, I am well. Yes. Got a new member of the family as well, haven't you? Yeah, I was about to say. Oh, there goes my phone. Um, <laughs> I uh, I have, yes, recently got a new, very young cat. Um, so yes, she is running us wild at the moment. Um, but yeah. I, I, re- I really like the way I set that up as I was saying, oh, you've got a new member of uh, member of the family and anyone that doesn't really know us will be like, oh, Dan's had a baby. Oh, that's really a note. Dan's got a cat. Yes, that's anyone who does know us knows that it's probably appropriate. And knows that that is you know, completely normal. Uh, can you confirm the cat's name? The cat's name is Miley. Um, cat was named before we got her by um, a previous owner. Don't know why the cat's named Miley, but it kind of suits the cat when well, you, you will meet her, but not sure if the listeners will ever meet her. Um, yes, quite. Yes, I'm going to so, call her James. Well, you don't do that because that's the cat from Family Guy. <laughs> that's why I thought about it. You don't do that. Um, Animals with human names always makes me laugh. Yeah, I know. It's really odd, isn't it? I worked with a guy that had a dog called Chris once, and it really it used to crack me it's up. So it's well, we we uh, we bought um, our cat from a charity place. from the Miley Cyrus fan club. <laughs> no, we did not do that, and um, and there are there are so many animals with human names, and it just it sounds bad, but it puts me off. Yeah, I mean, when I got Spyro called Steve, Steve the cat. Well. When I got Spyro, she was called Caramel, um, but I changed that quite quickly, and she she got used to Spyro very fast. But uh, yes, she's a bit older now. Spyro's eight. Wow. I mean, to be fair, should we just start a, a podcast where we just talk about our cats? Yes, that's cat lovely. Cats. That is, that'd be a lovely topic. I bet a lot of people would listen to that. Well, podcasts. That's uh, yes. there's already a podcast called Podcasts. Unfortunately, um, I was going to say it's, it sounds like it's been taken. Nerd cubed. Okay. Yeah. Well, never mind though. We can we we'll, we'll think on it. Yes. Yes. Quite. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> um. Today we're here to discuss a bit of a different game on the list. Um. Game. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> so, the this entry on the list is called the House in Fata Morgana, Dreams of the Revenant Edition. Um. The version that's on the podcast has a score of, sorry, the version that's on the list has a score of 96, 
and it was released on the Nintendo Switch in the year 2021. That's the highest ranking version. Um, but this is a game that comes up quite a lot in these um, in these lists of best video games ever. Also on the Open Critic list. Um, this doesn't have a ranking according to our original rankings in terms of where it places on the list because this was one of the late entries to the list. So additional edition. But it would rank highly if it was uh, if it was on that sort of ranked list that we did before. Mm. It would be fairly high up. Um, okay, so do you have any history with this game? Had you heard of this game before? No. Um, I, I, when, when we were talking about doing an episode in February for Valentine's Day, we were looking kind of over the list, and I said, that one sounds like it could be a good fit, but you said it's probably better to save it. So I, I went yeah. into this with, with no knowledge. I've never played it didn't really know anything about it other than that it was very different compared to literally everything else that we've covered on the on the list um but i didn't play it on switch um i played this on steam just because i, I didn't want to spend 30 pounds on uh on, How much off it the, on steam i think i paid about 15 quid for it around oh, that maybe um which made, made sense so yes didn't play it on the switch this time but it gave me an excuse to play something on on Steam again because it's been a while since I've done that. So yeah, what's your what's your history? Um, so I, I don't know where I first heard about this game, but I I'm a frequenter of video game websites and probably a couple of years ago now. Um, yeah, it it would be uh, maybe two and a half years ago, maybe when it came out around that time. Um, I started seeing this name pop up and there are articles saying, at the time there are articles saying um, the game that's better than Breath of the Wild. Obviously a, um, a clickbait title um, because at the time um, on things like Metacritic it had not too many reviewers. I think you need seven reviews um, to be classed on Metacritic. I think that's right. And mm. I think it had not too many reviewers, but it had a very, very high meta score. I think it was sitting at 98 and maybe like number two at one point on the Metacritic Top 100. Um, and then word of mouth spread and more people played this game and, and a few more reviews came in. And so when I, when I first heard about this game, I was quite blasé. Um, I was thinking the uh, visual novel. Uh, that doesn't clock. That's that, that's not a game. Um, and then I started hearing more and more about it, and I don't know what um, convinced me to jump. It's just the fact that so many people were saying it was so so good, and I thought, okay, um, I will give this a go. So I bought it actually on Christmas Day, uh, a year and a half ago, and I played it. Started playing it on Christmas Day, and took some time to get heated up get into kind of what a visual novel is and what it kind of expects of you and the fact that it's so different from a traditional video game but I played it for about a month and a half maybe two months um, I was playing about an hour a couple of hours every evening and beyond a certain point it just really really got its hooks in me and it was a bit of a difficult time for me as well um, because of a, a family bereavement and 
yeah, it just really hit hard. And I, uh, I have this thing about Christmas. I love Christmas. And there are a few Christmases that I would describe as being kind of legendary for me. And it usually depends on the game that I'm playing. And one of those, I think I've mentioned before, was San Andreas, the, the Christmas that I got San Andreas. And as um, I was probably, yeah, must have been 31 at the time. Um, as right a 31-year-old. Yeah, uh, and, and I thought, oh, I'm never going to have a Christmas like that again because I'm not young anymore. Um, nostalgia's kind of gone. That That magic of Christmas is gone, but... That Christmas really felt a bit special. Um, probably a lot to do with what was going on at the time. Um, kind of a happy and sad time. And because of this game, which I was really, really hooked on. So I was blown away um, completely by this game. And there's, uh, there's as part of the, the Dreams of the Revenants edition, there is um, additional story content, which is also great. And... I wanted this game to go on and on. I didn't want this game to end when I was playing it. I just was hooked. So that's my history with it. Um, the version I played once again was the Switch version. I think it's a game that sits, dare I say it, perfectly on the Switch. So this is the kind of game where playing it in handheld with a, with a good set of headphones um, near the end of a night, it's just kind of the perfect way to wind down um, and take your mind off all the other things and the work worries and, and stuff like that. Uh, it's just, I believe this game is really at home on the Switch. So yeah, th that's where I played it. I played it, I'm playing it again there. Um, and I've not finished it, um, f full disclosure on, on this playthrough, I've not finished it yet. I'm still playing and I'm going to continue playing. But you have finished, finished it before. Either. I have finished it before, yes, completely yeah. finished it. Um, so yeah, my second playthrough of this game, and I was really waiting for the right time to do a second playthrough of this game. I always knew I would, um, but I didn't want to do it too soon. Um, didn't want to leave it too long either. So yeah, I think this is kind of landed at a good time. So my question for you is, we, we've described this game as a visual novel. We've described this game as being very different from traditional video games. You said near the beginning that it's not a game. So what is this? I mean, if you were to describe this to an outsider, you were to describe what the features of this um, so-called game are, what would, you, what would you say to someone? Imagine all the cutscenes that you have in Persona 4 or Persona 5. So it's that, but without the gameplay afterwards. It, it, it's, it's the way that I look at it. It's, it's, it's very Japanese. And it is effectively a list, not a list, a collection, I suppose, of, of stories about um, like a specific place um, and a specific thing, but it's all linked. So there's no real gameplay in this game. You make a few choices here and there and you can interact with like a couple of things, but nothing too crazy. It, it is basically a, okay, now we're going to focus in this section here is uh, here is a load of exposition and a story and some characters. Here's the end of that story. Okay, now we're going to go to an another one. So it, it is it is effectively like reading a book, but with visuals. Hence, hence the visual novel, I suppose. Yeah, it's it's like a text adventure 
but you take away 90% of the decision making. Um, yeah. And, and, and you've got this game. And it is, as you say, like reading a book, that is the closest thing to it. But it's also a bit different from that um, because alongside you've got these um, really quite nice backdrops and nice character drawings and a truly phenomenal soundtrack, which we'll get to later. Um, so yeah, it's a, I would describe this game not as a game, not as a story, um, as an experience. It's it certainly tells a story, but it's an experience. It it plays on more than just your um, reading ability, your imagination. It it, it plays into your uh, senses of hearing, obviously your 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 eyes with its art style. So yeah, it, it does quite a few things and really taps into that part of your brain if you like that sort of thing um now ordinarily we break down the plot i'm not going to do that today because um for a few reasons the plot is everything here and because you haven't finished it and because i haven't finished it on this playthrough although i have finished it before i feel like it wouldn't do the game justice to try and um bludgeon through the plot especially if um we take it from wikipedia or something like that where it just wouldn't do it justice so what we're gonna do is we're gonna as you said you you described it again as a place that connects these these stories and what is that place it's a it's a house uh it's um it's, it's a mansion that has been stood for I don't think you find out when this game takes place but I'm assuming the game takes place kind of in the 19 like is in the, the, the present day section of the games so I'm guessing that it takes place in maybe the 1900s yeah um, it's I think it's um so it's after Jacopo's story um yeah which, which is, is in the 1800s isn't it um yeah, yeah, it might be. Yeah, it's it's and uh, the time of engineering, isn't it? And yes. the rise of, of machines. So I, um, I I think it's I think this the present day is set in in the nineteen hundreds. So the story takes place over a period of about nine hundred years, maybe a thousand years potentially, um, and the the kind of the the, the link between it is. The house has a curse and each story you go into will focus at a different period of time. So the first period of time that you focus on is in the 1600s. The second one is in the 1700s. The third is in the 1800s. And then the fourth and fifth. So I, I managed to get a bit further from when you and me spoke yesterday. So I managed to get yes. through like the fifth door, um, the fourth and fifth door, which take place in um, 1099. So it's all linked. So I'm I'm guessing that a majority of the remainder of the the game, from what I've played, is is gonna continue in that kind of time frame, or maybe well, let stay me give modern. You a bit of a, a snapshot as to what the game does next, without revealing too much. So you one of the things you mentioned a curse. Mm-hmm. 
but one of the things you will hear frequently from the characters in the game, from anyone who refers to this mansion, is that it's cursed, um, and a cursed witch lives there. And... Morgana. Yeah, and the cursed witch is real. The, the cursed witch is there. And there is a story that goes further back than the story that you are experiencing at the moment. And it also, surprisingly enough, and especially in the um, additional content, takes a trip to modern times. Um, mm. So, one of the things I think it does well, I think time travelling in games can be hit and miss um, for obvious reasons. It's just not easy to do several different time periods effectively. One of the games that comes to my mind that does it really well is Time Splitters. Um, but yeah, lots of games don't do it too well. This is a game that does do it well. And yeah, so that's the premise. You've got what I think we've not touched on yet is you do have these stories, but all these stories are linked. Every single one of them. Um, the characters that you have... So... Who have you seen yet as characters? So the the first the first story focuses on um, this these, these siblings uh, called Mel and Nelly. Um, so. The second story focuses on a an insane man um, called y- Yuki Masa who thinks he's a beast. The third story focuses on a businessman uh, called um, J- J- Jacopo yeah. and his maid and his wife. And then the fourth story and fifth story focus on, uh, you, you discover the the, the, the the playable character, the, the person that you are. Um, and throughout all of the stories, there is another character uh, known simply as the girl with the white hair. And she is also a link in all of these, and I've I've got my I've got my suspicions about who that is, and what it is, and it might be completely off. Um, um, I'll be I'll be, I'll be interested to hear them, but I don't know if I want to hear them in this podcast episode. That's fine. Um, but yeah, and then there's there's also a maid um, who it, it it turns out Giselle. is also quite important, Giselle. Um, so yeah, the the. The main story focuses on you, the lead character, and I'm guessing anyone that's listened this far, as you know, we we get into spo- spoilers, and we're not talking about the plot in no, depth. We're not going to spoil it all, but obviously we're going to touch. Yeah, on so the, so. the 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 playable character you find out um, is uh, a guy called uh, Mikel, who Michelle. Michelle Mikel, who Michael. It's Michaela. actually key that he's called Michelle, but um, yeah. Yeah, that that kind of lends in with what my anticipation is for where the story goes. But um, yeah, you, you you play as um, yeah. So Michelle, as in the French version of Michael, not not Michelle, as in your friend Michelle, Michelle from down the pub. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, it, it, it's a lot of different stories, and I, I think they're they're all linked. Uh, but like like I said, there is one thread throughout all of them, which is a girl with white hair. Uh, besides the fourth story where it turns out maybe it's um, an unreliable narrator. Yeah, so you've also got a few um, additional characters there. You've got um, 
You've got Yukimasa's fiance, Paulina, who yes, who appears um, in there, and as you referenced, the other maid, which is Maria. She's um, and then you've got Morgana herself, and then you've got some other characters, uh, key characters, as you play um, further into the game. Yeah, um, and, and you know, like th- this this story takes some really like dark turns, and I mean, yeah. I, I think you can looking at the the box art for the game and knowing like a basically from looking at what it this is, is why before I, didn't I played want to do it, it. Um, on Valentine's Day. Yeah, it's um, it, it's obviously got some some horror um, themes running through it, uh, particularly in like the, the second, like the the first story will focus on, um, yeah, I suppose trigger warning, I guess, but it it's discusses um incest incest yeah the first one focuses on incest the third one focuses on um murder Jeez. and madness the third yeah, one second, one's, second one is yeah murder and madness and the third one's uh abuse Between yeah yeah it, it is kind of um spousal abuse and yeah. uh gaslighting and then the fourth one well really the fifth one and also it, the mafia the what the mafia yeah and the, the, the fifth one, um, kind of, you, you find something out, and then you you kind of learn a bit more about um, one of the characters and like the stuff that she's been through, and it's got like oh yeah links with you know really... s- sexual abuse and, yeah. and and rape, and it's um yeah it it, it it's goes from times. yeah a hundred percent, and I imagine. <laughs> I imagine it only gets worse the, the further yeah, you get into the game. It wouldn't shock me. Line that, that this is why this storyline, which you will uncover, I don't know how close you are. I can't remember um, because I do remember all the stories quite uh, intricately. But I can't. One one thing that you you tend to forget when you've had a bit of distance from a game is how long each each section is. Yeah. Um, for example, uh, Door 4, as you mentioned, with the un- unreliable sure. narrator. Yeah, it, it, it was a lot shorter in my mind. Uh, oh, no, so it was a lot shorter when I played it again than it was in my mind. Um, so, yeah, I'm not quite sure how far away you are from that section, but there there is... Uh, well, there's two. there are two parts you've got coming up that... I don't. I mean, I, I'm not going to say outdo um, Giselle's story because that's what you were referring to, but they are equally traumatic and surprising and shocking. Um, mm. So yeah, this is why I didn't want to go down the. Oh, this is what you do in this game. This is um. This is the story because we just butcher it, and I feel like this game deserves a bit more than that. Mm-hmm. It deserves um, more than a butchery. It does, um, as Yukimasa would say. So you mentioned the horror themes in Yukimasa's story. It's also got this like horror soundscape in that in that story. Yeah. Which, if you're playing with headphones on, it can be really unsettling because the sounds are not pleasant. It's, I find the first part of Yukimasa's story quite grotesque, and I don't like all the squishing and yeah. And then the, the sound that he makes when he speaks is, yeah, just unpleasant is, is the way I'd describe it. 
the um the, the the second story with Yukimasa, which is what we mentioned earlier with uh, murder and kind of madness, um, is probably the weakest part that I've got to so far, in my opinion. Um, I like the payoff, but um, yeah, it's a bit grueling the, until that it, payoff. I, I found it to be very uh, easy to guess. Um, yeah, and you, what was going to happen? You, um, you found it quite off-putting as well for the game, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the, the thing is, I because you said it kind of picks up at the third the third door or the third story, which is uh, Jacopo, and I thought that was okay, but. The highlight of it probably was the first one. I thought the first one was good. It was long, like the first. Why do you think? Why do you think that is? What What about the first story resonated to you? Well, I think the the second the second story and the third story were quite easy to guess what was going on. Um, you know, like the, the third one focuses on fake infidelity and someone being gaslighted, which I thought. I, I could see it coming a mile off. And the second one was about a man who thinks he's a monster, who believes he's fighting another monster, and it turns out that that isn't the case. Um, and I, I saw both of those things coming a mile away. And usually, when we play games, you like what we did with Persona 4, you're usually the person that will call something way ahead of time and I will sometimes but I, I don't I don't think about it that much but I thought those two were quite obvious whereas in the first story where um that to be his sister. The, the sister Nelly well the, 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 there's two things that you don't see coming the first is his full-blood sister Nelly effectively like mounting Mel who's the yeah, the, the male a pretty dark moment yeah and like she's she's wearing the wig of the girl that he loves and then also finds out that the girl he loves is also somewhat related to him, and and the curse of that that um, that chapter is that basically any male that lives in that house is is bound to 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 be in a relationship with a relative, which in this case is is his sister. Um, and I, I I didn't see that coming at all. Um, so you so like I, the surprise elements of it? Yeah, I suppose so. And you know with with number five, you, you you know you you kind of relive the the fourth door again, but with what you believe, I suppose, is is um, yeah, reliable narration, yeah. and you find out some really dark stuff about what happened to Giselle, and obviously there's going to be a lot more stuff that you find out in terms of Michelle as well. Um, but yeah, I I, I think it big was... surprises coming your way. I'll put it that way. Yeah, like like I said, I've got my ideas for where it's probably going to go, um, and you know, I might I might be completely off. I've guessed two things right so far out of the two things that I guessed was happening, um, but you know, I've been I wrong many times before as well. Is the surprise? I think part of it is that, as with any story, it's nice to be surprised. I also think part of this game is because, as you say. Um, Door three, uh, and that's the way they they name their chapters: doors, yeah, um, doors to these other time periods, doors to these other people's lives. Um, so, door three, they reveal fairly not early, but about halfway through that Maria is duplicitous and she's playing them, and then you've got a long section afterwards where you the the viewer, the reader, 
um, have been let in on the secret and you're watching it play out and you know the truth, but you're watching Jacopo, you're watching the girl with the white hair um, circle around this truth. And I think that's part of the satisfaction of it because it's so frustrating in so many ways watching them circling around this truth and then <laughs> the, the the tragedy with that one is they finally get to the point so so a bit bit of insight into that story um this husband and wife who do love each other um there's a, there's he believes she's um she's cheating on him and she doesn't understand why he is so cruel to her and she's trying to just rebuild their relationship. But they won't speak to each other. They both have a problem um, speaking to each other. And it's kind of delved into why that is. And it comes to the point where they're both finally ready to speak to each other. And they've both, both planned it. And they've both planned it for a, a certain time period. But it just so happens that their timings are off. And as is the curse of the house, she goes. We don't know where she goes. It's never revealed. And he is left with finally unearthing the truth. She never, she never even unearths the truth. She doesn't know that Maria is playing her. Um, and you get a small moment of satisfaction where, spoilers, Maria gets shot in the head. Um, and that's delightful. But... Then you just get the moment afterwards where you hear that Jacopo continues his search for the white-haired girl and then dies. And that, that's it. And it's just tragic, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's... Um, you know, there, there, there are no happy endings with this game. No, there aren't. No, no. Um, well, well, maybe, maybe one. Yeah, yeah, sure. Maybe a couple. Yeah, yeah. it's... Um, yeah, it, it's one of it's one of those experiences, that, and you know, I, I watched um, I watched a couple of videos on this. I didn't watch them all the way through because I'm keeping the the ending um, relatively mysterious. But there was one guy whose YouTube video I watched talking about this game, where he effectively says that this is he he believes that Michelle is probably one of the best written characters he's ever come across. And he feels that the the conclusion to the, the I think the eighth door is one of the best conclusions to a story he's ever read. Um, so you know those those are, those are big statements. They are indeed. Quite. They are, and when we talk about stories in games, we often refer we talk about games as if they're like the younger sibling of other media. So they're the younger sibling of films or the younger sibling of uh, going back further books. Um, and because of that, you kind of think that there's more of an established formula to getting films right. There's in terms of story, there's more mm. of an established formula to getting books right in terms of story. And it's only recently that I feel like games have started to catch up and, You've got things like The Last of Us 2, which is not, um, <laughs> oh, the film, which is not the Schindler's list of, of, of video games. No. But it's a really nice step in the right direction, isn't it? And games in their normal form, in their traditional form, 
um, have a bit of a, a disadvantage when it comes compared to visual novels, which are more like a book. And this game rests on its writing. This game rests on that plot. Without those things, it wouldn't be. And I've actually since played a few more visual novels and hoping to reclaim the magic that is this game, but they haven't done it and not even close so far. Um, mm. And I think that's down to the writing. I think that's down to the characters. I think that's down to the the layers that this game has. Um, and it does have a lot of layers and, and you'll constantly uncover them. So if I said to you, it's not the last time you'll see Jacopo. Um, yeah. But not in probably the way that you might think. Mm. Um, so, okay, let's let's move on. Um, how would you describe the atmosphere of this game? Foreboding is the word, I think. that There's always... Um, an atmosphere in the background that there's something bad going on that you don't yeah. really understand. And I think a lot of that comes from the music as well. Even in the first story, the music is quite light and playful, but it's also got a sinister element to it as well. Um, so it always feels like there's something there that you're not entirely sure what it is. And I'm guessing that's to do with the witch um, and, and the curse. But yeah, it's uh, it's got quite a quite a sinister atmosphere even if it is in the background yeah i completely agree with that did you by chance do the thing that i mentioned yesterday which is which i only found out yesterday um in door four which is the uh the tale from an unreliable source basically it's a lie it's not the truth and because of that you can access the background you can access the um all the text from the chunk that you're in um, at any time, you can read back through it. But if you do that in this chapter, the text is distorted. And if you do that at a certain point in the chapter, there's a dialogue going on in the background of the scene between the witch and your character. And that is a perfect example of that. I didn't know that was there. And so mm. I happened across it and yeah, again, it's that it's that that dark force at work behind everything. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I think that's a good way to describe it. Uh, yeah, there are strings being pulled that you can't see. Yeah, and that's that's the way I describe the storytelling in this game. It, there are strings being pulled that you can't see, always. Mm. Um, okay, so what do you think of the art style of this game? Uh, well, the, the the game itself is. It's 11 years old, isn't it? The original. Yeah. Uh, originally came out in 2012. And it, it it effectively looks like um, a Japanese anime, I'd say. Um, but probably with a few more details here and there. M not an anime, maybe. Um, but like I said at the start of the podcast, it's very clear that this is a Japanese piece of work. Yeah. And, you know, the, the character designs are very well done as with a lot of Japanese media, the women are, are a little bit overly sexualized um, and not particularly pertaining to the clothing they would probably wear within the timeframes that they're no, set. No, I agree with that. But I would also say that I, I agree about the clothing, but I'd say that the, the sexualized aspect of them 
if it's there, it's deliberate because there it's are important. certain characters that don't have it. Mm. Like yeah. the, the white-haired girl. Yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, the, the look of this game is... It's, it, it's Japanese art. You know, it, it's what you would expect from... Like a, I don't even know how to explain it, but it's it's very obviously a Japanese anime esque game, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I really like the um, the character designs. I think they all look like you'd imagine the characters to look like, and they're very nicely done and they're quite expressive, mm. and it works. And they lend themselves to the story and they lend themselves to the music and it works. Um, I also think the backdrops work. They give you a sense of the area without revealing too much, without seeing... And there aren't too many of them either, per story. No, and and you you fill in the blanks with your imagination, which is, again, what what books do. Um, Yes. So, yeah, I feel like it's what it needs to be, and I, I like the character designs, and, yeah, they just work. Okay, what about the soundtrack, which I've kind of gushed over, but I will go into a bit more detail on it. But what do you think of it? Yeah, uh, you, you like the soundtrack to this game. I know that. Um, I, I think it's good. I I like the music in the first um, section, because like I said, it feels very playful and very light, but at the same time, it feels like there's something sinister in the background that's always keeping you slightly on edge. And that theme kind of goes through a majority of the game. You know, obviously in the in the second story, which is about a lot of murder, it's a bit, it's, you know, it's not as light and it, no. it goes down the, the avenues that it. you would expect it to. But the, the music in this game fits very well with what you see going on on the screen, is what I'd say. It probably isn't music that I'd go away and listen to. Rarely we find soundtracks that I'd, I would do that with, whereas sometimes we'll come across them and, and you would go away and listen to them. But I, I think this is a pretty good soundtrack. I've not experienced all of it yet, obviously, but I think it does what it's trying to do well and it leaves you with a bit of a sense of foreboding. Yeah. What One of the things about this soundtrack is it's huge. Um, yeah. So if you if you were to go on YouTube and you were to put in um, House in Fata Morgana um, OST, I've seen there's four discs, aren't there, of the it's music? It's huge. It's massive, and I'd say where you are in the game, you've probably heard, um, not including the additional um, content. Yeah. You've probably heard forty percent of it. Okay. Um, thirty, forty percent. So you've got a lot left to hear. Yeah. Um. And some of the stuff, I mean, some I don't enjoy listening to it all because some of it I find a bit unnerving. Um, there's one particular track that is played a lot later on, which you probably haven't got to yet, that I really don't like. Um, not that I don't like it, I appreciate it as a piece of music, but I find it really unnerving, and I'll point it out when you get there. Mm. Um, but... I have listened to this track, this soundtrack outside of the game, but I don't want to listen to it too much. Yeah. Because one thing that the game does well is it fits, as you say, the music to the scene. And yeah, 
I don't want I don't want that music to become separate from the scene because it lends so nicely to it. I so I will occasionally listen to it or the odd track when it comes into my mind, but I'll also steer clear because I don't want to kind of ruin what this game is to me. Yeah. And there's some wonderful music in there and there's it's quite there's quite a variety as well. Some of it is relaxed and you, you get um kind of Far East influences in there. Some of it is very French um, and has some French um, voice work in there. And some of it is just piano music with nothing else going on. And it's just varied, quite beautiful. And I said to you leading into this episode, it is one of my favourite, if not my favourite soundtrack in a game. Because I think I came to that realisation because it is so beautiful, but it's also the amount of it and how there are certain games that have tracks that nail it, but it's consistently good. And that's what I like about it. Um, it's the, the consistency of the quality of it. Um, okay. On to our question of the week. Here is a, Here's a quote for you. It's not really a quote. It's a, it's a, it's a statement. So around 70% of PC games in Japan that are sold or made, I guess, are visual novels. That and they're becoming more me. and more, they're becoming more and more popular in the West. Um, what do you think has led to this surge in popularity? What is it about visual novels that people are just realizing? Well, pe people embracing Japanese culture for one, I think in the last 10 years, particularly in North America, you find that a lot of people have this curiosity and this fixation with Japan. And that's not just, you know, North America, you know, you can say that of Europe as well. And particularly for, for myself, I find Japan fascinating. And I've said a few times that, you know, going to Japan is my number one destination. Yeah, I'd love to go to Japan. I, I think visual novels, you, you're saying they're 70% of their best-sold games are visual novels. And maybe me saying that doesn't surprise me. It's 70% is being a bit bold. Um, but it doesn't surprise me that a lot of their their market is visual, uh, is visual novelization, sorry. So I think some of it comes from the fact that the, the West just loves export from Japan and in the East. But as well as that, I find that people would prefer to, well, they wouldn't prefer it, but you've seen in the last 10 years, and it's something that you and me used to do as well a lot, people will watch gameplay and they'll watch Let's Plays and walkthroughs of games rather than play them themselves. Yeah. Whereas a visual novel is a good way to to take in a story without actually having to have too much input on it. And you could say that, that the West has got our own version of visual novels, but it's just a little bit more hands-on in walking simulators. I'd yeah. say that although there are gaming elements to it, what remains of Edith Finch could be classed as in that kind of bracket. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, or, or um, everyone's gone to the rapture or gone home. And like I say, there are gameplay elements in there and there are parts of it that are more involved than just reading a, a visual story. But 
that feels like that's our, our version of what the Japanese have done with visual novels, if that makes sense. Yeah, there are no fail states. There, are, it's no. relaxing. It's. Well, I mean, we're playing. We're playing a, a perfect partner piece um, to this game right now, uh, which is I don't think it's going to be any surprise to anyone considering we've mentioned it before. Is Elden Ring? Mm. Elden Ring is a gamer's game, um, and what I like to do after aggravating myself for a good few hours on Elden Ring is what I find really relaxing is going to play this game and switching off my uh, reflexes and being able to just dive into this world which doesn't demand me to um, press buttons quickly or to dodge or, um, or, or or get good yeah exactly it's it's kind of the antithesis to what many video games are and mm. I think it's that relaxing nature and I think a lot more people are playing games now that maybe didn't grow up on um, super hard video games or um, gamers video games and they own consoles it started with the ps vita and it's uh it's definitely kind of moved on to the switch um people buy those consoles to play these relaxing games that um add that extra element to just reading a book so yeah i think that's partly why at least potentially I think it's a few reasons, but yeah, I I think we've got our own versions over here, but we're just kind of embracing the Japanese style more and more. Yeah. Um. Okay. So before we start to wrap up our episode, I'm going to leave you with a, a quote that I love from this game that it uses every single time it introduces the mansion. Is it the house is... party? Is it through the house party door? I just twigged what you were saying. <laughs> that is, um, yeah, that is. I talked about the additional content, and I said it was in the modern day. It's not strictly speaking in the modern <laughs> day. It's, um, it's the nineties. Oh yeah. And, uh, you walk through a door onto a Noel's house party. Yeah, and of course. Greeted by the man himself. Who is that uh, man? Yeah. Would would that would that man be Noel Edmonds, or would that be another man? It would be another man. As uh, for, formal name, I believe, Sir Mr. Blobby. Um, um uh, a certain Mr. Blobby, yes, of course. Yeah, I thought that's... it might be, yeah. He, he is the key character in this game, he is. Um, he, he, he he binds everything together. He is the girl he with is the, the white hair. Character. You said it was yeah, that's show, right, wrong. <laughs> that's right, and he's a witch, <laughs> yeah. Um, so but yes, your, is... your quote, sorry. Every time that, that the game, every time that a character stumbles upon the mansion, uh, sorry, that was terrible English. Every, every time a character stumbles upon the mansion, um, and that's the way that they find it, they stumble upon it, many characters, they're not really looking for it. And there's this thing about the mansion, whether it really has a physical place in the world, and certainly when um, our main character finds it, and the, the kind of bookending story, it's not in the real world as we know it. Um, but the line that they use every single time to the letter is this. The mansion comes into view like the world fading in after a dream. I love that. Mm. Just 
it's very vivid and yeah, just um, vivid is a good word. Yeah, that every single person that comes across this mansion experiences it coming into being in the same way. Um, mm. Gives it a ghost-like quality. But on to our wrap-up. Does the house in Fata Morgana, Dreams of the Revenants edition, deserve to be on the list? I don't know. Because like I said, I, I don't really see this as a game. It, it it's it's a story and it's an experience and it's not something that you're gonna you know read on your Kindle. Um, it is made for game consoles, but I, I'm at odds to call it a game. So therefore, I don't know if I could say that it deserves to be in the top 100 list. Um, it did take a while to to grip me, and I'm not fully gripped yet. Um, I will I will go back and I will finish it. But you sufficiently intrigued. I'm yeah, I'm I'm intrigued to find out what happens. Um but I don't know if I could say it deserves to be in the top one hundred just because I'm questioning with myself as to whether or not I think this counts as a game. So yeah. I'm going to make a decision and say no. I don't think so. Um whereas I feel that you might uh might say different. I so I, I... In a way, I don't think it matters whether it's a game or not. Um, I know we have Gameplay as King, which is obviously a section that I've skipped for the first time this week. Although, there are times when we've done the podcast where we've we've looked at the Gameplay as King section and we've said, oh, well, there's not much to say here. We've said mm. it with other games and we're saying it again here. So, it's hard to define what it means to be a game. And I think... Walking simulators have this problem where you push the analog stick forward to move um, and visual novels, interactive novels have the same problem. They don't neatly fit into this, this thing that we call games. Yeah. But as the way we consume visual novels is similar to the way that we, that we consume games. Um, they take up time they're longer than films and you do have some level of interactivity, some level of um, advancing the story and you could you might not be able to describe this as a game and, and uh, I'm with you, it's, it's hard to describe this as a game um, but you can describe anything on that top 100 list as an experience Yeah. and this as an experience um, compared to those other experiences, has a place in that it's different. Yeah, it does something different. It's um, yeah, it, it just as an experience, I think it absolutely deserves to be there. And and I think we have to ask ourselves what we consider um, a game or not, and and if it, if it matters, <laughs> and. From the podcast that has the gameplay as king section, um, it's a bit of an epiphany, I suppose. But yeah, to me, it doesn't matter. I don't really care whether it's a game or not. It's an experience that I blew me away, and I, I'm enjoying it just as much this time through. And uh, I think I'll enjoy it countless more times within my lifetime. I do think um, it's it, it's a very special thing. And I think that's down to the writing and 
all the all the elements coming together and it's not guaranteed what i mean by that is like i said i've played other visual novels i i would say that i'm now a fan of visual novels i and i like probably many other people dismiss this game as i said before i played it as being a visual novel that's not a game and I, therefore i don't care about it um but i'd say i'm a bit of a convert and they have their place as that kind of relaxing downtime diffusing before you go to bed thing mm. and not all of them are made equal and it would probably be easier to rate this in um, a list of visual novels yeah we're not we're not doing that list so no. i'm gonna just cheat and say yeah i think it deserves to be here and as an experience it's one of the best experiences on this list that i think we've had so far i'm not going to say it's the best but it's one of them and therefore for me it deserves to be there so yeah it's fair enough as a final final thought we uh, introduced this little feature in the last episode describe the game in one word um sinister i think interesting or bleak bleak bleak, yeah bleak's bleak's a good one we'll go with bleak um yes what about you um i'd I'd put this i'd I'd written this into my uh into my plan for the episode but i'd not actually thought of a word but the word that just came to my mind then and the word i'm going to go with is haunting yep Everything about this game is haunting. The, the art style, the music, the characters, the fact that there's this haunting thing in the background, the fact that the house itself is haunting. So yeah, I'm going to go for the word haunting. It's a very evocative word. Um, okay. I feel it's a fair choice. Let's wrap up. <laughs> yes, that, let's. That was a very smooth transition into the wrap up. It's probably the smoothest one I've done. Um, uh, we are known for our smoothosity. <laughs> That's right. Well, um, correct. What? So, what, what, I mean, I've already revealed it, but let's reiterate what's coming up next. Time yeah. So, we're we're pretty much there now. We're we're pretty much done with the original plan. There are a couple of games that we need to get to um, that have been added onto the Metacritic list, but they're also on the Open Critic list. So we're thinking of pushing them back a bit. So next week we are going to release. Um, the last game that we're going to be covering in the Metacritic Top 100, which is, as Dan mentioned earlier, Elden Ring, which well, I think is... one more game as part of the Metacritic Top 100. Half-Life Alex. Yes. Yes, we're going to do that a bit later because technology. Um, yes, correct. So we're, we're, we're kind of, after next week, we're, we're done with the Metacritic Top 100. Um, we will obviously at some point do Half-Life Alex, but it's just finding a way to do that without spending several thousand pounds on a uh, on a on, on a VR machine. I would like to get a VR headset this year and I've already got um very, very good gaming laptop. So mm. what we're thinking is that towards the end we we usually have an annual meetup, so um what we might do is uh if you, if you can join me up here, we can play a bit of that together. The annual conference. Yes. Um, yes. Meeting of shareholders. Yes, quite. Um, where we discuss the shares, of which there are none. Uh, <laughs> so, 
yeah, next week will be Elden Ring. And then after that, we're probably going to take two, three, maybe four weeks off. We'll, we'll see. Uh, just to have four weeks. Yeah, just to have a little break um, so we can kind of start fresh. Because when we come back, we're then going to be focusing on the thing that we've been talking about for about a year. Where three, we are, three years. Well, yeah, since we started, I suppose. Um, but we're going to start on the list of 15 games each that either we think should be in the top 100 or hold a bit uh, hold a special place to us. Yeah. So that list will be interesting because it's all all our own selection and all games that we either have played before or we want the other to play or we both just like or, or we just want to talk about. Yeah. Um so we we we're, we're kind of finalizing that list now and we're we're coming to a point where we're trying to order them. Um, and I know Dan's got a, an issue in the fact that we have 15 games and he's got about 17,000 on his. So I've reduced it now to about um, 23, I think. 23,000? Yes. Yeah, of course. Million. Good, good for you. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it'll be Elden Ring next week. Um, and then the podcast format will change a little bit when we come back after a three to four week break. And then I'm we are gonna... on suggest something which i've never suggested before i was thinking mm. about this one of the things i said about the house in fata morgana was um i'd like us to both repeat it so there is no there would be no time frame on this i suppose just when you when you get a chance to get to the end of the main game i'd like to do a, a follow-up episode where we can go into a, a few of the uh the details a bit more obviously we won't be ranking it again but just a discussion episode as a, a follow-up yeah, that's fine. It it pro- I probably won't complete it for a bit because I I need to um, I, I need so. I need I need to put time into Elden Ring because <laughs> that game is yeah, is killing fine. me. Uh, but yeah, I, I I'm open to that. Sounds like a good idea. Um, so yes, that is the the coming House in Fata Morgana Dream of the Revenants Edition debrief. Dream of the Revenants Edition Two Electric Boogaloo. Um, so yeah, that is that is the format for the next uh, for next week and then moving forward. So it's it's weird to kind of say that we're we're pretty much there now for something that we started before the pandemic happened, really, yeah. or before our lives were affected by the pandemic as such. Um, Although it doesn't feel like we're coming to an end because we've no. we've literally got an absolute shed loads of games coming up even after we've done our own games. And it's probably no surprise to anyone that at some point we're, we're going to be talking about Final Fantasy VII, um, you know, which I, I, I imagine that nobody anticipated would, would happen because it's not a game that I've ever mentioned on this podcast, even once, I don't think. Um, Correct. C- can you think of a time where I've mentioned it? I, I'm just looking forward to that, that famous character dying, Mr. Bobby. Ah yes, Mr. Blobby, fantastic. Um, but yes, we're 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 meandering now. So, um, as always, let's put a stop to it. Yes, as always, you can find us on social media, the Long and Short of It podcast. You can email us at the Long and Short of It podcast at hotmail dot com. Uh, if you're able to, please give us a, a rating on on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or follow us, or all of that good stuff, because it makes it easier for other people to find us and enjoy our dulcet tones and meanderings of talking absolute smack Uh, (laughs) but yeah that was the house in Fata Morgana we'll see you next week for Elden Ring is there anything else from you no 
lovely. We'll see you next week then. And in the meantime, take care. Cheerio. See you on the next one.